Good afternoon. It is Friday, January 13th, and this is Chickie Fitzgerald with the Executive Girlfriends Group. And I am pleased to welcome our uh, guest who is returning for a uh, repeat performance, and it's Kathy Condon. And Kathy, welcome. You have written a, a couple of books, your latest, uh, which is Face to Face Networking. That's correct. I'm feeling great about it, Chickie. Well, good. So, so tell us, uh, tell our listeners, uh, those who aren't with us live today, um, a little bit about your background and you know what got you uh, to the place where you wanted to write your first book, and uh, why you needed to write this follow-on uh, book about communication. Be happy to, cheeky. It turns out that over the years, I developed a system to help people figure out what it is they wanted to do when they grow up. And I say that facetiously because many of my clients are uh, 40 and above, so they're not exactly young. But people realize what it feels like when you're not happy in the job that you're doing. And I can honestly say I'm incredibly happy doing what I'm doing, And but I'm only 15% of the population is really using their skills. And one of my skills happens to be writing. And it was very evident when I was in high school that the English teachers took me under their wing, and then when I went to college, again, they kept, telling me that I had a talent for writing, that I need to pursue it. And fortunately, I was going to school in the University of the Virgin Islands at the time. I was married to the vice president, and the head English teacher decided to be really tough on me. And I am absolutely delighted she did because it made me realize that, indeed, I needed to keep writing. So I started writing, and I kept writing kind of chapters about what I was seeing out in the business world, how people were acting in meetings. what, And I also had the really incredible expertise of looking out my window where I have a bunch of ducks swimming and changing all the time. And they became kind of revealing stories to me about executive coaching and so on. So I kept saying, I'm going to write a book, I'm going to write a book. And until after my parents passed away, that I decided I had to write the first book because I wanted a book to honor my parents. And my dad had a say, it doesn't hurt to ask. So it became very evident that that should be the name of my first book. Uh huh. So I wrote it, entered a contest, and lo and behold, a surprise email came one day and it said, you have been named Best Book Finalist by U.S. Book News. So my very first book out was that was published received that award. And I knew I had a book inside of me about face-to-face networking because I've been teaching it since 1984. And what happened is is that I was teaching it, and then a whole lot of other people came along to teach the same subjects. And I'm thinking, okay, oversaturated. I then went into studying intergenerational communications in the workplace, and that's still a major interest of mine. And the combination of the two work incredibly well together. And I've been teaching intergenerational communications now, right at the heyday, when everyone at a conference said, let's have a, have a subject of intergenerational communications, I was on that upward hill 
to have that happen. And then, as we know, people got oversaturated with intergenerational communications. I watch social media becoming the, quote, in thing, and this is the way that we are going to connect into the world. And what happened is I thought, well, certainly not time to write the book on face-to-face networking now. No one's going to listen to me. (laughs) I went on and really worked in the field of communications. I have the umbrella over my work of communications in the workplace. As we know in the executive world, communications is a big issue. And all of a sudden, there is discussion starting online about, well, maybe social media isn't working as well as we thought it should. And very honestly, Cheeky, I saw then that it was time for me to write the book on face-to-face networking. That's why I did it, because I believe people now know face-to-face networking has to be part of your marketing wheel. Well, and, you know, I so totally agree. It It is, um, I think people are just becoming completely desensitized uh, to electronic communications. And, it, you know, it's one of the challenges that Patty and I have faced uh, with the Executive Girlfriends group is is really finding the right way to get through, to, to even break through the clutter uh, to get people's attention, uh, you know, about the, the level of content that we have available live and, and even, you know, to be able to talk to authors of, of books that are being written about topics that are really important to their business success. And, uh, you know, I know we were talking uh, before we started the recording about, you know, really just connecting with people and, um, you know, getting back to some of those things that we hold dear, which, you know, really is relationships. So talk to me a little bit about what happens um, when you don't do face-to-face network or at least voice-to-voice where you're actually having a real connection. Okay, let me give you an example of what I experienced last night. I am, I want your listeners to know that I'm an avid user of social media. Uh, I have about 7,000 people on Twitter, and I think it's approaching about 900 on LinkedIn, and I'm on Facebook. So I know how those, how those mediums work. Yet last night, I, a man asked me on LinkedIn to connect. And I started something new when someone asked, and, you know, and it was the standard, I'd like you to connect uh, my professional link. And first of all, to the listeners, please, please write something different than that, you know, the standard right. line to make, make it look like people care, you care a little bit about the person involved. And I connected with him, and then I asked him, I said, I'm just curious, why did you decide to connect with me? And he said, well, the LinkedIn software told me to. And it was about 9.30 last night, and I was sitting there. I don't feel important or significant at all in regarding this connection. Right. And, Chicky, what we're losing is... Anthony Robbins has a model that I just, to this day, use every single day, and it's called the six human emotional needs. And one of those needs is to help people feel significant or important. 
And I got to tell you, that's my key word right now. How do we make people feel significant and important in this technology world? That's the challenge. And that's why I just believe I'm spending more and more time behind the computer answering questions and asking questions, but I want the people who connect with me to believe that they matter in my world. And so that's how I'm doing it. Well, uh, I'd like to come back to the book uh, for a minute. And again, Kathy's book is Face-to-Face Networking. And um, it, it begins talking about when, when you walk into a room and, and you're meeting somebody for the first time and talk talking about being remembered and how important a great handshake is. And, you know, I mean, I think we've all had the experience. Uh, and, you know, it does isn't necessarily gender-specific, but wa- walking up to someone who, who has that kind of, uh, you know, wet noodle handshake. So tell us what what makes a great handshake and how people react. Uh, and, and then I, I'd like to hear what you have to say, and then I have a very specific question about handshakes for you. Go ahead. Okay, well, Chiki, I think this one that since we have women listening on this line, you'll be proud of me. In this chapter, I put in it that we women really like firm handshakes. Mm-hmm. And you might be really surprised by this, but this is honestly happening. The men are reading that chapter, and it's the first chapter in the book, and they go, Kathy, I never really thought about women wanting a firm handshake. I thought we were supposed to match the handshake of the woman that we're shaking hands with. Mm-hmm. I have to admit, I am like, it grabs the men's attention because they learn something right away. And how? what is a great handshake? It's when the two V's in your hand meet, you put pressure on them, and you look at the person in the eye. So the key is, is to make sure that you keep your hand moving until it goes into the goes right into the V of the other person. And also, ladies, we have got to extend our hand first because men were taught to wait to see if we are going to shake hands. Hmm. So it is our job to get it out there right away. So that takes away that hes- hesitation. Well, my question about handshakes is I I have a habit, and and, uh, I didn't realize it until I read this chapter. I have a habit of shaking hands with both of my hands. So uh, going for the handshake but putting my my other hand on the other side of the hand and, and, um, you know, grasping, and just doing and not not a prolonged handshake but but i I have done that for a very long time, so is, is that a no no um you know does it push people out of their comfort zone? It does many people, yes, cheeky mm-hmm. um because it's a little bit too familiar to some people, and mm-hmm. I have a sister who you know she likes her space around her, exactly opposite of me. You know, I'm really hugging everybody or giving them a handshake. But the thing of it is, is that if you know the person, how wonderful for you to do it. Yet I would put go on the word of caution of doing it if it's a new person that you have not met or know hardly anything about. You know, mm-hmm. if you've met, like, for example, we have not met in person, but if we did, we would probably be hugging each other. 
but it's just because there's exactly. a familiarity that is already there. So I think mm-hmm. that might be the key. Okay. Well, that's really great advice. I, I uh, have to admit that I, I had never really thought about it, but uh, it occurred to me that I might be making a huge blunder and not even know it. Um, let's move on to the next topic, which, um, you know, this one kind of hits home uh, for me because we have so many uh, women uh, over the last few years who have gone from having uh, business cards with their company name and an important title to uh, being in between successes, which is what we call being unemployed uh, or, or even on sabbatical. And you have a whole chapter about why you should have contact cards or use them as contact cards, not business cards. So why do you call them contact cards and what should people put on them? The reason why I came up with that name, Chicky, is exactly what you're saying. People running around without a business or involved with a business didn't have a card because they thought they had to have a business in order to have a card. Mm-hmm. You see this the circle we were caught in here. And I honestly, it's getting better now, but for, up until about a year ago, I would say 95% of people who are unemployed did not have a contact card. And who do you think needs a contact card the most? Right, exactly. You know, and it's just, you know, and... I really honestly believe it was the word business card that was blocking people's thought process, Vaughn. And just think about it. Look at the difference when you say contact card. Well, what is it? It has your contact information on it. And I'm very proud to say that I started this, you know, when I knew it was an issue using a contact card. And I've now got myself into the habit of I don't say business card. I used to have to write contact card, formerly called business card. I'm not doing it anymore. And I really believe people are understanding what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm always amazed, uh, and let's digress just a little bit back to uh, the online communication. I'm always amazed when people don't put a way to contact them on LinkedIn. Um, And, and, uh, you know, particularly I look at consultants and people who should be out there trying to get business and they don't put any email contact uh, on LinkedIn. Do you have uh, a recommendation on that front for folks? I think absolutely you should have your email on it. In fact, I, I know your frustration. It just happened to me this morning, Cheeky. There was a person I was supposed to call. and go, okay, I'll go into her LinkedIn. No phone number. Right. What's even worse to me is I am a firm believer in handwritten notes and I am not able to find the addresses of businesses on when I right. go online to their websites. And I thought that was Website Design 101. However, people <laughs> are, you know, and they keep using it, well, it's because of security reasons. You know what? I'm not going to live in that world of... right. Yeah, I mean, I I just I find it very very curious. And actually, one of the interesting things that is a a bit of a phenomenon about LinkedIn is that people who are gainfully employed quite often will show their Gmail or a personal email address. Um, I I used to uh, uh, 
be uh, good friends with a guy who always got your mother or your sister's phone number when when he would meet you because he wanted to always be able to find you. (laughs) And, you know, if you leave a company, all of a sudden you can't reach people through their business emails. Uh So, you know, I think that that that's also an interesting point, even if you had a contact card, to have uh, a way that people can get in touch with you, uh, you know, even if the business contact doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely, and I know I mine is one that I can find any place, and I can't imagine. That's a really interesting point. I'll have to make a little note of that one. Right. So let's talk about when you are in in a, a business setting or a networking meeting. Um, do you really need to wear a name tag, and is there any protocol about where you should wear your name tag? I know, you know, we go to a lot of conferences in the travel industry, and my big uh, pet peeve is when the lanyards are so long that they hit your belly button. And so there's no way, if you can't remember someone's name, to just, you know, surreptitiously, uh, you know, glance and catch it when they're, you know, not paying attention. So, Talk to us about name tags. Well, first of all, the lanyard would be turned over, so even if you did look down there, you couldn't <laughs> read it anyway. So that'd be the other. Right, or they'll have ten-point font. <laughs> exactly. I decided long ago how important the name tag is, and I have designed my own that I carry with me at all times. I've actually had three of them made because I tend to misplace one, but yet there's always one in my car. And it's about three and a half inches long in its oval shape. It's navy with my name, Kathy Condon, only in big white letters. And the reason why I do not have any company name on it, it is my belief when you go to a networking event that you are connecting with individuals and not companies. Mm -hmm. And if you are a real estate person or a banker, you know what? you got to be honest. People run the other way when they see your business. And people do business that they know and like. So two things. One, have it, wear it on your right side so that when you shake hands, the person's eye can immediately go to it. Otherwise, if you have it on the left side, which most people are wearing it, is that you've got to look clear across the body to see the name. Mm -hmm. And it becomes so doggone obvious what you're doing. And your role is to make the person in front of you feel very comfortable. It's not about you. It's how do I make that person in front of me feel comfortable. Right. Well, you know, it just occurred to me, I think about how many times uh, I go to meet someone that I've never met, you know, whether you're meeting at Starbucks or you're meeting at Panera Bread, and, you know, you see a zillion other people who are waiting to meet someone who they've never met. And how useful that would be to have a name tag in that situation. Or, you know, arriving at an airport and having, you know, again, a customer that you've never met picking you up. Absolutely. And i got to say that the executive men in my community gave me a bad time about it, cheeky at first, and now they're going, you know what, that's not a bad idea, Cass. (laughs) (laughs) So. That's and, interesting. Uh, and I went to, uh, and let's talk about the, the paper tags for a bit. I went to um, a social where it was an anniversary party on last Sunday. 
And I didn't take my name tag because I thought, oh, we all know each other. And we got there, went in, and people were wearing, you know, the the little paper name tags. And believe it or not, she had pens there for people to write their names on. So needless to say that you couldn't really read them. And, of course, I was working to get away without having to put one of those on. And I went up to the guest, and she says, the hostess, and she goes, Kathy, you need a name tag. And I thought, okay, fine. I can't (laughs) believe how weird I felt wearing a paper name tag with a line, which you could hardly read. I mean, they are pretty much useless. Kathy, let's talk about uh, networking events because, you know, I've tried going to a couple here in Tampa, um, and I've got to tell you that the kinds of people who tend to hang out are network marketers, um, you know, people who are trying to sell you something. I mean, you talked about real estate and financial services people. Are there places that you can go, you know, for legitimate networking um, where you're not going to be waylaid like that. All right, Chicky, we've got to change your frame of thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, it's born of experience, baby. Okay. <laughs> when you walk out the door, you are networking. You are networking any place you go. So let me share with you. I mean, to me, now that I have sorted this out and people have asked me, how do I decide? I'm going like, duh, why didn't I think of this before? The reality is, is if an event is coming up, the question I ask myself, will I learn something or will I have fun? If I cannot answer yes to either one of those questions, I don't go. hmm and that makes it the world wide open. For example, you know, wine tastings, hum, you know, humane society events, all of those are probably a lot better networking place for you to go. Because people are relaxed, you're talking, you're building relationships, and unfortunately the networking events that you're talking to, you know, people are told how to do their elevator speech, which, by the way, I'm very much against at this point. There are questions to ask that you can start conversations and get to know people. And I will share with you my all-time favorite networking event, and that is a groundbreaking ceremony. At groundbreaking ceremonies, you have every person of the tough top echelon at that event. You have people waiting around for the reporters to come because, as you know, they're always late. Conversations start in, you build relationships, and by all means, you want to make sure that you have your pockets full of contact cards because there people are relaxed. And what you want to do is you want to go to events where people are relaxed. And I also look in my own community, if there's an event being held, which is kind of a general event, and I'm sure you know what organization I'm talking about, depending upon the location of the event, if it is, quote, a well-known business or highly respected business or company, I probably will go to that one as well because I will know that I'm going to meet some really interesting people. So give us um, a, a couple of tips. You, you've got a number of, of chapters that kind of walk you through everything from, you know, why you need to 
uh, RSVP to an event, you're ready to walk into the room full of strangers. Now what? You meet people. Then what do you do? How do you start and maintain a conversation? So, um, what what is your your uh, your top three things that we need to remember uh, when you are meeting new people and when you're doing this face to face networking? All right. If it's an event and there is a one hour um, before the event, which normally they are, or if it's an early morning breakfast, whatever you do is you get there at the beginning time that the doors open. You do not come slipping in at the last moment. As someone told me the other day, he was smiling, he said, if you're on time, you're late. And think about that. If you're on time, you're late. And the point is he's absolutely right because you did not get an opportunity to meet people beforehand. So the key thing here is this. If you have an hour event, you should not meet more than three people during that hour. I know there are people out there saying, you know, I just recently read an article, get, get, take lots of cars and get rid of as many as you can. I believe that is the wrong approach because... I believe you want to spend time and get to know that person. Ask questions. And so get there early, meet three people, and I'll give you my all-time favorite question to start a conversation is this. And this is how it goes. I reach out my hand and say, hi, this is Kathy Condon. Tell me something great that happened to you recently. I say it with a smile. They are surprised always. (laughs) yet to answer that question they have to think of something positive that happened in their life you don't know what happened to that person on the way in you know did they just about you know get in an accident did they have a fight you know with someone or other that question elicits great stories and the key for you is listen to the answer If you don't listen, you're going to be in bad shape. If you listen, it gives you all kinds of more topics to ask more questions about so that you keep the conversation going. You do not want to do the talking. You want the other person to share and so you can learn about him. And the other piece would be is this. When you're getting to breaking away from a conversation, which is totally fine to say, you know what, I promised myself people, I've got two more to meet. You look at the person, you extend your hand to shake hands and say, by the way, do you have a contact card with you? That's where you exchange cards And no one, and I mean no one, is going to feel badly that you broke up that conversation if you Mm -hmm. handle it that way. Mm, Nice. And, uh, Kathy, I know you're very, very big on writing handwritten notes. So do you write a handwritten note to each of the three people that you've met? Absolutely. In fact, I just got three handwritten notes that I wrote today. And I did a really interesting little mini research, Cheeky. I thought, okay, I'm out teaching handwritten notes, so what are the younger people going to think of handwritten notes? Am I wrong in saying that everyone would enjoy a handwritten note getting mail? And you know what I discovered? Do you have any idea what I discovered? 
<laughs> that they actually really liked it. Exactly. In fact, I had one young man tell me, you know, so-and-so got a handwritten note, and he still talks about it. Mm-hmm. And so I think if handwritten notes is just a matter of we've gone full circle. I don't know about you, but I go to bed, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, all caught up in emails, turn it on in the morning, another 100 flow in. Right. <laughs> if it's a thank you, I say, oh, that was nice, and I delete it. Um, and I just take great joy in writing these handwritten notes. It makes me smile when I write them. It makes me smile mm-hmm. when I mail them. And then it makes me smile even more because 75% of the time I get a call or an email thanking me for my note. Uh-huh. So you're building relationships for the well, amount of and time and energy it takes. Exactly. And that is absolutely what it's all about. And I know that you feel that it is very important to uh, to actually manage your contacts. And um, I, I just recently uh, realized that... Um, Salesforce.com had a or had a special offer at least I don't know if it's an ongoing offer but they have a contact manager product that is a subset of their full Salesforce automation product uh, for twenty four dollars a year and you can't afford not to use it because uh, uh, we have gotten a, a business card scanner and you can scan the card and it goes an image of the card goes right in and it extracts um, you know all the contact information and uh, They've also added in a dimension where you can, from the Salesforce record, can actually pull up their their Twitter and LinkedIn information. So um, uh, Patty's been helping me get that uh, all operational, and I just can't wait to be able to start digging in. And, you know, I know I owe some people some handwritten notes out of that, so I'll have all the information in front of me. That's huge. And and another one, and I'm not affiliated with it, Tiki is Batchbook, B-A-T-C-H-B-O-O-K.com. Um, the thing that I like about that is that you can do a blind carbon of any note that you send it and it automatically goes into the file. So, and that's mm-hmm. like, that's about nine ninety five a month though. So yours is mm-hmm. less expensive. Well, not only that, I have a, um, a a kind of personal rule about using any online product that they they have to have a million unique visitors a month um, before I will use their product because I know that companies who only have you know twenty five thousand fifty thousand unique visitors they won't be around a year from now um, so i'm I'm big on using well funded companies who are going to be around, especially if you're doing something as serious as as uh, committing all of your contact information Absolutely. to them that's a that's a really good um rule to have too great rule. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, of course, I know that painfully from personal experience of trying to, uh, you know, build companies where where you rely on, on having, a you know, a certain number of customers. But, um, uh, yeah, when I saw that Salesforce product, in fact, my husband had just gotten a, a job. Uh, he had worked with me for the last 10 years and uh, got a sales job back in November. And uh, he was going to have to be making eight calls a day in this new job, you know, physical calls out face-to-face, literally. Mm-hmm. And oh, I wow. thought, you know, yeah. he, wow. he is never going to be able to manage that, um, you know, without some kind of electronic assistance. So uh, anyway, it's been working great for him, and uh, he can do his weekly sales report just super easy. And, great. 
Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited about that. Well, Kathy, it has been really, really great to catch up. It's been great having you back on again. Um, I do want to open it up uh, just for comments uh, and questions. We do have a couple of people on live. So um, I am going, Carolyn, I had you on mute because I was hearing some background noise. So um, any, anybody have any comments or questions? Okay, Michelle, we can hardly hear you. Can you can you try to speak up? Probably not. Yeah, it's a pretty bad connection today, Michelle. Go ahead and give it a try, though. (laughs) Is that any better? Oh, much better. Yes. Okay. Okay. Night and day. Just, you know, my only thought is that it's good to to hear some of the relationship management or relationship building skills reconfirmed and and things because sometimes I think I lose sight of them. So, my observation. And you're not alone. And I think that's, frankly, one of the reasons why I wrote the book, Michelle, is because it's a simple guide, but I'm I'm watching people who are new in the area of Facebook, and I'm watching seasoned professionals. You you heard Cheeky say the various things that she learned, and my daughter is 38 years old, and she's in the world of communications in Germ in Belgium, and she actually said to me, "Mom, you wrote down all the things that people should have learned, or else maybe they have forgotten." And I never dreamed I would be a person reminding people about these networking events, but every time I go out and speak or train on the subject, people react, well, you know what, this isn't very hard. And it isn't. You just have to remember it. Exactly. And I have, like, I have a little um, kind of an index on my wall, and actually one of my little reminders that I'm supposed to do is to make sure that I write at least two handwritten notes a day. That has become part of my mantra of how to build my business and so on. And I was interviewed by someone on the radio the other day, and she knows me really well, and uh, she she knows how I write the notes, and she sent me an email afterwards. She said, you know, what's really interesting is that you walk your talk. And I just know that those handwritten notes bring a great deal of joy out in the world. I don't have any question they do because how many open up your mailbox and it's all, you know, bills or whatever. It it makes a difference. And it's interesting. I've kind of taken a different approach, too, regarding handwritten notes of what I use for that. I have a note card with my name, Kathy Condon, on the front and all my contact information in the back. But yet I've had fun going out and buying different note cards, you know, like some that are very art that I send to people with arty. I don't have foo-foo-looking ones. Yet I kind of choose one that fits the personality of the person that I'm sending to. So it's made it more interesting to write notes than doing the same note card all the time. Well, Kathy, you've given us a lot of really, really practical uh, information. And again, just to remind uh, our listeners, Kathy's book is called Face-to-Face Networking. It's all about communication. 
And Kathy, why don't you give our listeners a way to contact you if they'd like more information? Absolutely. It's Kathy with a K at KathyCondon.info. I would be delighted if you would go to my website, um, KathyCondon.info. I have a blog on there that I uh, send out normally about two things a week on communications, and then my weekly wisdom, which is a question. Four and a half line. I mean, a quote. Four and a half lines of why I like it, and a question to start your week out right. And I would be delighted to have you receive that as well. And then, of course, you can find me on LinkedIn and Twitter with my name, just Kathy Condon. Okay, terrific. And for our executive girlfriends group members, uh, Kathy does have a profile on the Egg private site. And so uh, if you are driving or not able to write down the information that Kathy just shared, you can just go to the egg.cubeless uh, site and uh, pull up Kathy Condon, and you'll be able to contact her directly through that. Well, Kathy, thank you again so much. I am going to turn off the recorded portion so we can say hello to uh, our other egg member who is on the call today. So hang on just one second and let me do that. All right. <laughs> 